0: What's going on? Welcome to the Pete Callender Show. Thank you for listening. Yes, I'm Pete. And you can hear the latest episode at thepetecallendershow.com and any of your favorite podcast platforms. Join the Facebook group, The Pete Callender Show, where we do solve all of the world's problems and have fun doing it. It's what we do. It's our it's our jam. Um, that's The Pete Callender Show on Facebook. The show is made possible by patrons like David and david and david and uh one yeah uh, well daryl and daniel and uh and curtis among others a lot of davids today (laughs) uh also old grouch's military surplus a mix of modern and vintage new stuff like military hats with all you know, the different branches of the armed services, uh, you never know what you're going to find at Old Grouches because Tim gets different stuff in all the time. He's actually always interested in your vintage and unique items too. So if you got something and you're looking to uh, see what it, uh, what it might fetch you, or uh, if you just want to get rid of stuff, or maybe you found a bunch of stuff in the attic of a house you cleaned out or whatever, uh, bring them on down to... Old Grouch's Military Surplus. It is located in downtown Clyde on Main Street across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. And uh, look, maybe uh, you're, not, uh, you're not in need of military surplus stuff. You don't need the T-shirts. You don't need the camo. Uh, you don't need the hats or the customized dog tags or the gear. Um, let's say you just need some advice on how to be prepared for what we're going through um, or what might come call Tim. Go to the website oldgrouch.com That's the uh, best way to get a hold of him is oldgrouch.com You can see what he's got over there. Uh, And if he doesn't have it, he can get it for you. Old Grouch's Military Surplus, Main Street, Downtown Clyde. And uh, I want to not spend so much time. Actually, I want to try to avoid it altogether because I think there's uh, there are a lot of other topics out there besides the coronavirus. Uh, And it is kind of related, though, it's healthcare. And uh, this has, th- this argument over Medicaid expansion's kind of taken a back seat now because of obviously the coronavirus and the response and all. But expect to see, especially as we get probably onto the other side of this thing, <clears throat> expect to see a lot of people making the argument that Medicaid expansion, had the North Carolina legislature done this, six years ago, um, that somehow or another it would have been better for us during this outbreak. Right? The Medicaid expansion argument, expect to see it be made uh during the arguing over COVID nineteen, uh, or coronavirus. I, I've i taken a call on it COVID nineteen. I I don't know. It's I think it's I think it looks cooler, sounds cooler. No, I'm kidding. I, I don't know. It just, it seems more specific. The COVID-19 I think is the specific bug because coronavirus apparently means like uh, a lot of, there are a lot of viruses that fall under that category. It's a type of virus. Anyway, so Medicaid expansion. There was a study that came out and I actually uh, saw this over at um, uh, the Civitas Institute. They had a write-up, Brian Balfour had a write-up on this a couple of days ago. And so I went and I pulled the uh, source material, which is a research paper done by the, uh, the F G A. And you can actually uh, check out their website. Let's see. Here's the F G A. Yeah. The dot The fga.org is their website. Uh, they, it stands for the foundation for government accountability and uh they it's a conservative kind of a think tank group you can uh you know look through their uh their website and you'll you'll see pretty quickly that their their purpose is to try to keep people as they say uh out of the quote welfare trap okay so this is how they approach uh their public policy white papers and such so they did a study on the Obamacare expansion, as they call it, Medicaid expansion, and you'll recall um, years ago, six, seven years ago, when Obamacare was first passed into law, and then it went to the Supreme Court uh, on, on, you know, constitutional questionable footing, shall we say. Um, There were two components of it. First was the, you know, the mandate that everybody had to have insurance. And if you don't have insurance, then you got to pay this penalty. And this was, you know, the question, is it a tax uh, or is it not a tax? And I think the court ruled that it's a tax, but it's not a tax unless it has to be a tax, in which case then it is a tax or else it might not be either. I think that was the ruling. Anyway, the other part of it, though, was this expansion of Medicaid. And on that part, the Obama administration lost Uh, their case. Uh, The Supreme Court said that the federal government could not force the states to expand Medicaid. Uh, And so the feds came back and said, okay, well, why don't we do it this way? We will entice you. We will say, we will give you 100% of the cost to you state if you expand Medicaid. And the deal was that you had to expand it to working-age, able-bodied adults, which is not what Medicaid was originally intended to provide coverage for. That, that's not the population that they were trying to serve when they originally created Medicaid, right? So that was the that was the carrot approach to say, take the money, and you know, it, you know, government loves the money. right? <laughs> the feds are offering all of this newly printed money for programs, then the states are uh, usually pretty quick to jump on board to do it. The problem, though, with Medicaid is that, uh, from a state perspective, is that usually it's a leading driver in state budgets. It's a leading driver for uh, deficits. It's it's a program that uh, it's unsustainable. The, the more people that uh, turn out uh, is always... Uh, well, the the number of people that turn out to get onto the enlarged rolls, usually way more than they ever predicted. And so the costs are so high, and then you don't get the full reimbursement on the Medicaid uh, program traditionally. And so there are a lot of problems that states have trying to to make the finances work when they're not getting help from the feds. So the feds say we'll pay 100%, but only of this new patient pool, right, this new subscriber pool. Okay, so what are the findings now out of uh, this first six years? And so, this uh, organization, the FGA, they took a look at the at the states that had expanded Medicaid, specifically whether the promises made about the benefits expansion would provide, whether these promises were fulfilled. Here are the key findings. There are five. Number one, Obamacare's Medicaid expansion has not materially materially improved hospitals, financial health. This was one of the, and I'm going to go through all of these five points, Uh, but the hospitals were originally telling everybody, you know, we need to have this Medicaid expansion because our finances are so bad and we're losing money. So expand it and this will help us. Okay. So what the FGA found though, was that it actually hasn't helped. Number two, the hospital jobs that got promised never actually materialized after the expansion of Medicaid. Number three, non-expansion states have actually seen faster hospital job growth. Number four, hospitals are still closing in states that expanded Medicaid. And number five, Medicaid expansion shifts able-bodied adults out of private insurance and into lower paying Medicaid. So the bottom line, they say, is that the expansion is not a silver bullet for hospitals. Okay, that's the focus of this research from the FGA. They don't look at the outcomes and the patients and all that. There are other studies like that. I've gone over them uh, in the past on the radio show, but this is specifically about the economic promises that were made and are still being made, by the way. These promises are still being made. Um, Well, here, don't take my word for it. Let's take a listen to North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper, who in October of 2019 outlined his vision for Medicaid expansion uh, at a to, to what was this the forum uh, the emerging issues forum event in Charlotte and so he explicitly the governor explicitly makes the case that expansion of Medicaid creates economic benefits including new jobs
1: what we are talking about here are the working people working adults, five to six hundred thousand of them that could be covered with health insurance if we would just say yes and it matters a great deal to this topic we're discussing today because there are many small businesses across North Carolina that can't afford to provide health insurance for their employees and other places where people work of jobs that we need performed don't have health insurance. So, I think it's the right thing to do. By the way, uh, it's happening in 37 other states. We have the chance to bring billions of dollars per year down to North Carolina. They pay 90 percent of it, and we have got the other 10 percent covered by insurance companies and hospitals, so we're not talking about a hit on the state budget, and we create 30 to 40,000 new jobs from experiences we have seen in other states
0: right so that's the explicit message do this expansion and uh it will create jobs it'll shore up finances okay um back to the fga paper under obamacare states have the option to expand their medicaid programs to include a new class of able-bodied adults for years, hospital lobbyists and Obamacare advocates have tried to persuade lawmakers with claims that Medicaid expansion would be an economic boon for their states, often with very little pushback. Right? I cannot tell you a single time I've ever seen anybody in the media ever ask Roy Cooper, challenge him, I should say, but ask him in an interview whether or not these numbers are real. Do they actually ever materialize? And where does he get this information from? These are all just like extrapolated numbers uh, and multipliers and formulas and stuff. But now, six years later, we actually have data. And I understand right now there's a big COVID, uh, you know, coronavirus uh, pandemic going on. And so no one's going to ask him about this. But I'll be watching down the road, particularly in the uh, if you know November general election. If anybody's ever going to ask him a question about this, because they darn sure asked him questions uh, when the state of Kansas expanded Medicaid and everybody's like, oh, look, Kansas, a Republican legislature and a new Democrat governor and they expanded Medicaid. Shouldn't North Carolina do that? And they ran to Governor Cooper and they asked him those questions. And he said, "Why, yes, I think we should expand just like Kansas and we should learn from Kansas. Right. Of course, nobody ever asked Governor Cooper. So, hey, New York State just had like billions of dollars blown up into their budget because of the Medicaid expansion costs. Do you think this is really a good idea to, you know, force the state to expand Medicaid to the point where you're holding the budget hostage, refusing to uh, to sign the budget into law? Instead, vetoing it and holding it hostage, you know, teacher pay raises and uh, and construction projects and all of these other things that are in the budget being held hostage to this Medicaid expansion. A Medicaid expansion that in New York State just blew billion multi-billion dollar hole in their budget, so you don't know there were never any questions for Governor Cooper about that. No, no, no. Kansas, yes. New York, no. I wonder why. Promised jobs have not materialized. Not only that, but states that did uh, that did expand Medicaid actually saw fewer hospital jobs created in the time after expanding compared to those states that did not. Some states that expanded Medicaid even lost jobs. In North Carolina, supporters claim that expansion would create 37,000 new jobs. Governor Cooper calls it a win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win win i think um no he said he recently spoke with john Kasich, who is the republican former governor of
1: ohio about this uh very topic. and after i won the debate about which state was first in flight which... <laughs> i mean they had the bicycle shop we flew the plane case closed um... fair okay that uh, that's a fair argument i agree with him on that one but he, he said, thank God we expanded Medicaid. And he cited for me a 54% decrease in opioid overdose deaths in the city of Dayton. Because when you provide for more coverage, you attract more providers. In substance use disorder, you talk to any judge, you talk to anybody in the system of how difficult it is to get mental health for people, particularly who don't have insurance. Now, we have a lot of private employers here and do you know that in states that have expanded Medicaid that private businesses have seen an average of 7 to 11 percent decrease in their health insurance premiums? You know why? Because you're reducing the amount of uncompensated care that all of us end up paying for. Because people, when they get sick and they don't have insurance, go to the most expensive place they can possibly go, the, in, the emergency room. And so this is a win, 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 win across the board. All right.
0: So I, th- I think three wins, five wins. I lost. I, I, I wasn't counting. OK, but Medicaid expansion is actually not a catalyst for job creation or hospital health. In fact, it. There- You can kind of hear it right there. If you take what he's saying there at face value, which I tend not to, but um, you you take what he's saying there at face value, he says that people are, what, not going to the hospital because they have Medicaid insurance now. So they're going to doctors' offices, primary care physicians. They're not going to hospitals, which means hospitals are, what, not getting the revenue, (laughs) right? So if they're not getting the revenue, how is that supposed to make them more financially stable. After all, this new population is 100% covered. This isn't like the old existing Medicaid uh, patient pool, which there were only hospitals are only getting like, what, 60, 70 cents on the dollar to treat them. Yeah. Um, but they have Medicaid insurance too. This idea that people with Medicaid don't go to the hospital that instead they go to uh, doctors' offices. It's not exactly true, but also this other concept he's talking about is that businesses uh, are somehow making all, uh, all of these savings because uh, because Medicaid has now been expanded to include this able-bodied uh, adult pool of patients uh, and that oh look now now you know businesses aren't fronting the costs for that. Well, somebody's paying for it, right? I mean, who's paying for it? It's 100% covered, right, by the federal government. Gosh, who's paying for that? Might it be businesses, business people, right? It's one of the things that always kills me about this this cost-shifting argument. Again, and nobody ever pushes back on it, this idea that you could just say, oh, look, everybody's getting a lower rate. Oh, see, nobody's paying for it. Somebody's paying for it. Just not the people you prefer. That's all. Um, let me go into some of these uh, findings. But first, let me tell you about the uh, the big tax refund sale going on at Mattressman. Mattressmanstores.com. You can go to their website, take a look at this. Uh, the mat- uh, tax refund sale is going on now. You use your tax refund to get a great night's sleep, and then you pay it off later. Right? Talk about a win-win, 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 win Well, I mean, for every night you sleep on, it would be a win. So Okay, so... You get great savings, you buy now, you pay later, and you don't need credit. Just $50 down, then you pay the balance when your tax refund arrives. Get 90 days, same as cash payment option, also through Amica Financing as well. Mattressmanstores.com. Christy and I, we have a a bed that we got from Mattressman. We bought it years ago, uh, long before uh, Mattressman ever advertised uh, on the program but uh we love the bed we've always loved this bed uh it's the it's the nicest most comfortable bed i've ever owned i think christy would agree with that we love it and mattress man is locally owned and operated and a a real heart and passion for serving the community he has donated beds chuck the owner of mattress man stores he has donated beds uh to local shelters and such uh he gives veterans jobs this is what this is what he stays in business to do this is why he does the business um and he's local he's got four stores Asheville Arden and Hendersonville they ship nationwide though uh and they got five-star delivery service a 120-day comfort guarantee go in and see for yourself any of the four locations experience the difference at Mattress Man go to the website mattressmanstores.com buy local and sleep better so Hospital lobbyists have been desperate to convince policymakers that absent Obamacare expansion, local hospitals would be forced to shutter their doors. Six years down the road now, we've got hospital financial data uh, and more than 1,700 hospitals contributing to this uh, this data pool. And it found, the FGA found that expansion was found to be associated with, quote, higher Medicaid payment shortfalls. So larger shortfalls expansion was associated with bigger losses these findings are consistent with earlier studies by moody's investor service the firm that issues the credit ratings for hospitals all across america moody's analysis of hospitals own financial data found that there was quote no significant difference in improved financial status in the states that expanded medicaid and those that did not number two expansion proponents have promised that all of the new federal money would spur economic activity in these expansion states, and that would lead to the creation of tens of thousands of new hospital jobs. In fact, 40% of Obamacare expansion states actually lost hospital jobs in the first year of the program. So, this is a really big reality. This is a critical reality for states that are thinking about expanding Medicaid, like North Carolina. Maybe even more critical than the states that have already expanded it. Because states right now are required to cover a significant portion of the program cost. It's no longer the 100% carrot that was being offered. Now it's, I think, 90%. Ultimately, it was always silly, though, to expect that a massive expansion of welfare to able-bodied adults would somehow create jobs. Think about that for a second. Yes, let's expand welfare, and that's going to create jobs or spur economic activity. The Congressional Budget Office has already gone over this, and they said Medicaid expansion discourages work amongst able-bodied adults and shrinks the economy. So the actual opposite occurred for what they were promoting. Not only have hospital jobs in the the states that expanded Medicaid, not only have the number of hospital jobs failed to materialize as promised, but hospital job growth has actually been more rapid in the states that rejected the failed welfare expansion. The FGA says over a period of five years, non-expansion states saw annual hospital job growth of 1.55% compared to 1.36% in the states that expanded Obamacare, that means that states like us, North Carolina, that did not expand Medicaid, right, our hospital jobs were, are growing at roughly fourteen percent faster rates than the expansion states are seeing theirs grow. Um, what else? Hospitals are still closing in these states that expanded Medicaid, right? Hospital lobbyists were warning everybody that hey, if you don't do this, if you don't expand Medicaid. All these hospitals are going to close their doors. They're going to lay off workers. Medicaid expansion was promised as a way to keep hospitals open in Arkansas. It was like the direct campaign messaging. However, layoffs and closings continue even in states that expanded early. Number five, Medicaid expansion shifts able-bodied adults out of private insurance and into Medicaid. I know who would have seen that coming, right? (laughs) Who would have ever guessed? Medicaid reimburses hospitals at far lower rates than private insurers. They pay about 60% of what private insurance pays. Even when you factor in the supplemental payments, it's still about 60%. I mean, it's not a lot. So think about that. The states are having to cover the cost along with hospitals and paying customers, right, non-Medicaid patients, Everybody else is picking up the extra cost there. Hospitals actually report that reimbursement rates are below the actual cost to treat Medicaid patients. But when states expand Medicaid, they shift able-bodied adults out of private insurance and onto Medicaid. That leads to lower reimbursements, and that fuels a cycle of hospital dependency on taxpayers. Right, Almost as if that's the design. If the remaining non-expansion states expand Medicaid, they could drive more than 2 million additional Americans out of private insurance plans and into Medicaid. Practically speaking, according to the FGA, this means millions more Medicaid patients for hospitals and millions fewer privately insured patients who would carry higher reimbursement rates and more revenue for hospitals, right? What do you think happens when you start pushing everybody into the Medicaid pool, Right, then the rates for everybody that's still in the private marketplace, their rates go up. Um, finally, an increase in Medicaid patients actually threatens the viability of hospital finances. Individuals may drop insurance for free Medicaid, or employers may scale back on private benefits. They're actually incentivizing people to get onto Medicaid, which, by the way... Previous studies have found not exactly the best outcomes. That's a a topic for a different show. This was simply about the the impact of uh, this paper was simply written about the impact of uh, Medicaid expansion on hospitals and the jobs and the job growth that all of these proponents claimed would occur that actually hasn't occurred. It actually has gotten worse in the state's that expanded medicaid um i believe that this was by design i think that they know generally what they're doing when they craft these uh, ideas Uh, it's like ted kennedy said uh, that his biggest legislative regret was not taking the medicare for all uh, or sorry expansion medicare uh, expansion that was offered to him by richard nixon president nixon in order to get him to basically, you know, shut up about (laughs) doing universal health coverage. But Nixon offered him a deal, and I think he was going to expand Medicare coverage down to like, I don't know, 50 years old or 55. He didn't do it. He said it was his biggest regret because had he taken the deal then, Senator Kennedy said uh, right before his death that we probably would already have universal health coverage uh, by the government. We'd already have socialized medicine had he taken half of the loaf that he got offered and then fought for the rest over the ensuing three decades. All right, if you like this content and what we're doing, please subscribe to the podcast. Just click the subscribe button on your favorite podcasting platform and, you know, consider uh, writing a review. Appreciate that. And maybe be a patron of the program. You'll get the coveted I'm a Giver sticker. Everybody loves them. All the links are at thepetecalendarshow.com.